Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the Autosport Podcast. We bring you a live recording from the British Grand Prix at Silverstone with Gary Anderson and Antonio Giovinazzi. This is a special podcast recorded live at the F1 Racing Fan Village at Whittlebury at the British Grand Prix. Huge number of fans camping here to enjoy the British Grand Prix, so we wanted to put on a little bit of entertainment. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and joining me for this live recording was Gary Anderson, the legendary Formula One designer, and also we had a guest appearance from Alfa Romeo driver Antonio Giovinazzi. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, well, thanks very much for, for joining us. Uh, have a little bit of a think for some questions, because we'll take some questions from the floor for Gary in a moment. But I wanted to start off with the British Grand Prix. The news this week, the race is saved, a new deal. It's going to be here for another another five years at least. And Gary, you've got a long history with Silverstone. Jordan was based here. You've raced here many times. So it must be quite a special place for you. Good news that it's, that it's saved on the F1 calendar. Um, yeah, it is really. I mean, it's a, it's a great circuit, demanding circuit. Yes, I mean, sometimes people complain about it being a bit open, um, and, and it is that, but the, the circuit itself, from a driver point of view, and from a team design and engineering point of view, it's got a bit of everything. So I started here in 1989, really, um, to design the first Jordan, and we were in the, in the circuit, so it was, you know, next door to here. And then we moved out to where Jordan are now, just outside of the circuit. But it's always been the home of, of you know, the, the British teams, to be honest. Silverstone's a great track, very demanding, high speed. I think the teams love coming here, to be honest, because A, the crowd's fantastic, and B, the circuit itself really does drag the best out of everybody. And, and it's 
you know, it's a, good, it's a really good place. Yeah, so they were speaking to a few of the drivers uh, earlier today and they, they were talking up. Obviously, they were being asked about it. They're very happy. We had a bit, little bit of gravel added as well. So there's a bit more, a bit more uh, peril there for drivers getting it wrong. Uh, we should also say, Gary, what do you make of the season so far? Mercedes dominated. Max Verstappen, of course, won in Austria. Do you see any kind of change or is that really an unusual set of circumstances? I think what I'd sort of say really is that I'm a bit disappointed in Ferrari. You know, they, they've... They really did look in winter testing like they were going to go somewhere this year. And it all went away on them, to be honest. Mercedes arrived at, at winter testing and their car wasn't as good as it should have been. Um, you know, out in the circuit, whenever we were watching, you could see that it wasn't as good as it should have been. They did some changes for the second test and made it better. But for the, the switch to take place that it did, Mercedes against Ferrari, I mean, it was just... It was like a light switch going off on one team and a light switch coming on on the other one. They all expect Mercedes to do well, Lewis and Bottas, you know, they're fantastic drivers. Lewis especially is really motivated, and he's, he's found his little home now as well because he's not getting lots of this stupid stuff that a Formula 1 driver gets. He's able to sort of dista- detach himself a little bit and just put his um, mark on it whenever he's driving the car. Um, so it, it, it suits Lewis very, very well at the moment. Uh, but I'm disappointed in Ferrari. Ferrari should have been right up there. They should have been really giving them a hard time because I think the car was pretty good. I don't think it's got the downforce that the, the Mercedes has now. If you look at it in general, the car always has this little bit of understeer. There's a, a lot of stuff around the front wing that could be done. They're trying to get on top of it. And uh, you know it's always difficult. Whenever you get a correlation problem, and correlation is just about you do all your development in the wind tunnel, um, you get all these numbers and you put it together as a package and you go to a circuit and it doesn't actually work. It's really hard work because you have to really step backwards and, and try and find out why because it's no one thing. It's usually just airflow, you know, vortex generation, all this sort of stuff. And it, it does take time. Now, if you look at, you know, the last race of the of before here, Austria, it looked like Ferrari were on, in pretty good shape. To be honest, if Vettel hadn't had its problem, they'd probably end up blocking out the front row. And... Yes, I think um, Leclerc was a bit naive in the end of the race because he he got caught by by Max Verstappen. Um, really, I, I was a bit surprised because the team should have warned him of that coming up. You know, Max was catching him pretty quickly, and he never really got the the hurry up. I'm sure he could have found a tenth or two tenths, you know, from with ten laps to go, rather than try, having to try to find it all in the last couple of laps. Um, but anyway, you know, at the end of the day, we had a good race at the end of it. And uh, I think Leclerc's very good. I, I really do like him. Has Vettel reached his retirement date or whatever? He doesn't seem to have that real hunger that he used to have when he was at Red Bull. You know, he was he was the he was the the um, Leclerc of of Red Bull as such, just out there and wringing its neck. The car needs to suit Vettel a lot more than some other drivers. He doesn't like the car to have understeer. He likes the car to be nervous on the rear and and let him use the throttle to transfer the weight to get the grip uh, whereas other drivers can drive around that sort of thing so there's a big battle to come up yet if if, if Ferrari happen to get on top of why they're having a bit of a problem with um, their sort of correlation as to you know what the car's doing and, and their developments I think the battle can still come there so uh, and it's up to Red Bull they say they had problems um, Max is Max Verstappen is obviously a pretty hot shoot I'd love to see him join the club at the front because him Leclerc and uh, and Hamilton you know, Hamilton's the old boy, really. And the, the two other younger guys coming in there and giving them a hard time might be good fun. I think if we look outside, we will see a trace of a real-life Formula One driver. And, of course, Formula One's most recent point scorer as well. It's Antonio Giovinazzi. Hi. 
as I mentioned, you are Formula One's newest point scorer. You finally got that, that first point in Austria. How does that feel now that you've, you've shown you can get the results? Because your performances were improving, but without that final result. Yeah, finally, you know, it was, uh, was something I expect since a long time. Uh, but uh, like you say, you know, we had a uh, uh, beginning of the season really like a roller coaster, so performance was really up and down. And uh, finally, in Poricard, we got a new upgrade of the car where it was quite good and uh, achieved, you know, a good result to be on Q3. And then in the race, you know, it was just a mess with the strategy and everything. Uh, but yeah, in Red Bull Ring, I think it was uh, just a really <coughs> clear weekend. From my side, you know, already from Friday we had a good result, and then Saturday we we achieved the Q3 with the both cars, me and Kimi, uh, and then on Sunday, yeah, really happy. You know, uh, it was a really difficult race because uh, you know midfield this year is really tight, and uh, so you cannot uh, have a small mistake because it cost you like maybe two three positions. So it was really hard. I was uh, really close to Kimi, and Perez was really close to me, but the end, uh, you know, it was a really positive race. Two cars on top ten, and uh, you know, I was really happy now we have another upgrade here and I hope we went on the same uh, direction than we went in Paul Ricard uh, McLaren still a uh, little bit in front of us but we hope we take uh, an upgrade that uh, we can do another step forward well you mentioned Kimi there obviously there's a great battle going on now because I think it's 3-3 in qualifying over the last six weekends and like you said you were you're behind him and potentially quicker in Austria so he's a great teammate to be up against a great challenge but how does it feel to be able to not just work with him but also be battling with him and, and beat him some days yeah, it's difficult to meet, I would say. You know, he's a driver with the most experience now in F1 and plus he's a world champion driver so you know like I say in the beginning of the season for me can be a reference but also a teacher uh, but yeah so far I think you know I, I think in the beginning of the season I was actually struggling because I, I for two years I was the third driver of Ferrari and uh, I didn't race I just did two races back in 2017 beginning of 2017 plus Le Mans last year so you know to come back especially in F1 is not really easy but now my you know my performance my feeling is coming better and better race by race and now I'm really happy to be really close to Kimi sometime in front sometime in the, in the behind him but really close and this is the main things for me I should say if anyone's got a question for Antonio stick your hands up and we'll uh, I'm sure you've got one down one down there how is Kimi as a teammate? I, I like him because if you if you speak to him, it's just for uh, good things. You know, if you ask something to him, he will reply to you. He's a guy with uh, no politics, and this is good things to have in the team. You know, also for me that I'm a rookie. So yeah, so far I'm really happy to to be his teammate. Uh, I think main things is try to work really <coughs> really well together, try to improve the car together, and uh, take the team on the right direction. Who, who drives the team forward? Is Kimi really pushing the team to, to move forward or is he happy to be driving? I mean, where do you see that relationship? Because obviously it's, it's quite difficult to catch the big boys at the front unless you have something within the team that's a motivation to drive it. Yeah, I think so far we are we are pushing together uh, because we want always a better result. We had a difficult few races, like uh, from Barcelona to to Canada, uh, but you know we like I said before, the midfield is really tight, and if you find also small things, it can uh, improve four or five positions. So we are pushing really hard, and I think uh, in the last race we we show we can uh, we can have a good result. Now we are pushing more, and uh, like I said before, uh, we want to another step forward, and you know 
know, try to uh, at least stay there where we were in uh, in Red Bull Ring and maybe get a little bit closer to 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 McLaren. Of course, you know, Kimi is the the man with a lot more experience. You know already what you want from the team and everything. But from the other side, uh, I always want a better result from me and plus from the team. So we are pushing really hard. One thing I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned you were a test driver for Ferrari, obviously part of that is being the simulator driver, and that's an important job, because last season in particular, Ferrari were very, very good Friday to Saturday, making improvements. I remember in Canada, uh, Sebastian Vettel said it was a miracle turnaround from Friday, he went on to win the race, and he actually mentioned you by name as uh, as playing a key part in that. So what, what does that involve? What do you actually contribute, and do you, is it nice to have, have a hand in some victories? Hey, you know, from uh, from uh, since I start my career, I always give 100% of what I was doing. And uh, in this case, you know, the last two years I was uh, I was a third driver, so my main work was back in Maranello on the simulator. And I give my you know 105%. I was focused like uh, I was in the track and doing my race weekend. And you know, it was really nice also to to see the you know the great things from uh, from Seb from Kimi. You know, to to listen my name on the. Sebastian interview after the qualifying that say I was a help for the team was really great and you know I think uh, it was a really good uh, two season for me it was not just losing two season for me I improve a lot myself I work with uh, the best team in F1 I would say the Ferrari one so with a lot of good people around there and uh, I think I'm uh, I'm better driver compared to what uh, I was back in 2016. How much time or how many laps would you spend in the simulator? On the Friday and Saturday, how much effort do you put into it, or did the team put into it? Yeah, actually, Canada was one of the worst weekend, you know, because uh, because of the jet lag. Uh, they finished the 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 Friday on five o'clock, but uh, in Italy it was like twelve o'clock, and we start uh, to work after FP two, so like around twelve o'clock. And I remember I finished around five o'clock in the morning, so all night driving there. But you know, in the end was uh, was uh, grateful and uh, was also I was really proud to the work I did, and in the end uh, work also for the team uh, in uh, in Canada. So it was really great. So yeah, around uh, I would say five six hours, depend how many how many things the team want to try, and uh, this uh, how long I, uh, I was driving the simulator. That sounds harder harder than racing at Le Mans. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, you know it's, it's really hard because in that you are not in the car. It's mostly on your eyes and uh, mental things. You need to be really consistent every lap for the team. And uh, yeah, I remember I was completely dead after uh, after five six hours. And do you, do you think as a driver you benefited? from that time spent in the simulator. You, you yeah, I think now, you know, simulator has become really close to the reality. Of course, it's not to be like being in the car, uh, but uh, to try new things on the car, try to improve the car is, I think, uh, has become really an help for the team. And like I say, you know, from my side, I think it was better than uh, do nothing. Uh, I was there and I tried to learn also from my side how I can give feedback to the team, how I can improve the car. And I think for me, it was an help uh, to start the season in uh, this year with the uh, spent two years with uh, with them and you have mentioned this year that you were a little bit rusty should we say on Sundays in terms of you know that catching up with the knowledge of the tyre management etc and that did sort of hold you back a little bit I should say you also had a lot of bad luck and grid penalties and all, all sorts of things but do you kind of feel normal again now and ready and set and is that why we're now seeing this level of performance consistently from you 
Yeah, I will. I will say I'm not still 100. I'm. I'm feeling I'm improving race by race. Uh, so I, I think I will do another step here in Silverstone after what I did in uh, in Red Bull Ring. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's strange because in the low category I was always really good on the race. Uh, I was struggling in qualifying, and then when I'm back here uh, in in F1, uh, I felt different way, you know, because I think F1, you know, is there are 19 drivers, 20 drivers on the top of the level. They are pushing really hard. So for me, it was. Uh, you know, losing that two years to racing because, you know, driving is is okay. I was driving FP1, uh, some testing, so to take back the the lap on uh, on qualifying was quite easy, but then for racing is completely different. You know, you need to fighting with the people, you are fighting with the best driver on the world. So I was uh, I was, of course, not uh, not ready as I'm ready now, but I, I would say I can still improve and I won't still improve and, uh, uh, you know, and uh, improve race by race. Do you have any more questions for, for Antonio from the floor? Yes, great to see the Alfa Romeo name obviously back on the Formula 1 grid and they've got great history here at Silverstone thinking they won in 1950, I think the worst first world championship race. What do you think your chances realistically are this weekend? Yeah, of course, you know, uh, Alfa Romeo is, you know, one of the historic brand in F1 uh, was the first brand who won the world championship in F1 uh, back like you see in 1950 uh, of course you know now we are not yet on the on that situation but we are improving and the team is improving a lot uh, like I say we have a new upgrade here in uh, in Silvers and I hope to to, uh, to do another step and uh, finish again on top 10 in the in this race weekend and then in the future we will see he's a young team as well and he's, he's only the first season out from your racing is back in F1 like a name so we are just working really hard and uh, we want always more and more and uh, I hope we can improve already this season and start again next season a little bit stronger and improving year after year One of the things I've seen from you I spend a lot of time trying to watch track side you're quite an aggressive driver and you have a slightly different approach to Kimi he tends to sort of be a little bit more conservative and work his way up you tend to be a bit more aggressive and you sort of end up in a a similar place in the end How, how is it when you've got two drivers with slightly different approaches do you do you see it as that different and it actually does it help to have you kind of approaching the problem of getting the car right and how you how you get the pace out of the car in different ways actually gets you to the answer quicker yeah, I think every driver they they drive in different different way, and I'm sure you know, like you say, I'm completely different from uh, from Kimi. But I think also how he approached the the race weekend, because if we see Red Bull was always in front before qualifying, and then in qualifying he was on the same lap time of me. So you know, it's just. Uh, uh, the amount you push on the on FP and uh, I would say from my side I'm a rookie my first season F1 I need to push and find a little bit before the limit of of the car of the track and from Kimi's side I, I would say he's driving more with experience you know you know already when he need to put all together is it the qualifying you know so of course yeah my my driving is is always been quite aggressive already from low category in F3 and F2 but this is, I think is uh you know is a talent naturally you you got already from Cartier was aggressive so it, then it's just become in every category the same driving style do you like having an aggressive driver like Antonio well yeah i mean i like aggressive drivers but do you find Kimi does he help you with that aggression does he does he give you information from what he's doing um, obviously you know you'd, you'd expect Kimi to be able to go out and find a tenth here and a tenth there because of his experience and feeling of the car but does he help you with that same sort of approach yeah for sure you know I, I think the main things for me you know to have Kimi like teammate is one end is good things from the other end is not good things for a rookie you know a good end is 
he, he will be always fast because he's a world champion driver with a lot of experience so he will be always there to the other end so is you know the reference with me will be not like to have a normal teammate you know is he will be always there so sometimes maybe i can look bad sometimes i can look really good but it is just my side is kimi is always there from the other end it can be a big help because in track like where i don't know the track you know i can straight away watch his data from when I stop in the garage and see what is breaking, what is gaining to me, and then the next run doing the same things of him and going faster straight away. So, you know, these are the main things. And if you keep having good results and scoring points, is, is Fred Vasseur going to take all your hair away? Because that, that seems to be part of the celebration. You've got a, you've got a bit of a shearing. I actually, it was not, not like that, the bet. You know, on, uh, on Paul Ricard, when I started P10, he came to me and he said, so if you score point, I will cut your hair. And I didn't score points. So then in Red Bull Ring, he went to me and he say, you like too much your hair. So this time I will be, the, I will do the opposite. So if you don't score point, I will cut your hair. But I score points, but in the end, I still miss some of my hair here. But for good reason, I would say. <laughs> See, that's good team manager. You ever do use haircut as a motivation? Uh, no, not quite. No, I've used many other things. Good <laughs> boot up the ass. I remember actually having Andrea de Cesaris, um we had a bit of a problem and the chassis got uh, damaged and uh, Andrea didn't want to change into the spare car. It was in Barcelona and I had him by the throat against the garage wall with his feet about six inches in the air <laughs> trying to explain to him that you know the chassis was split and he needed to drive the spare car. He, he didn't want to but he got the message a bit later on. <laughs> you have to be very honest together because there's, there's so much happens on the track. There's so much happens with engineering of the car that you know getting it all together and working together closely is a very, very vital part of it. And do you work well with your engineer and your engineers and the designers? Uh, you know, it's the main things. I spend a lot of time in the in the track, especially for a rookie. You know, you need to spend as much you can the time in the track. Try to to see all the details with the engineer, with uh, your data, uh, with uh, the tires uh, engineer. You know, you need to make sure when you are in the car, everything is on your mind, and you can do what what you want. So, yeah, I think uh, it's really important. I mean. Kimmy always seemed to drive a car he didn't like to have understeer maybe it's still the same I think I'm not sure I don't know what you like but I mean it's not to a degree of being able to visibly see it these days but still it's important that you have a balance in the car that looks after the car looks after the tyres how do you like your cars? Yeah, I would say before back in F3, uh, uh, you know, is the F3 car is a lot oversteering car, and uh, I really like it. But in F1, uh, is not the best car to have. I think the oversteer car, so it's always better to have some understeer there, and especially <coughs> a lot of support on the entry stability of the corner where you can carry a lot of speed. And uh, yeah, I would say I, in F1, I prefer understeer car compared to the oversteering car. So do you and Kimmy end up more or less the same setup? Do you, do you uh, like, like that or do you yes. go a different way? Yes, I, I would say we are. Uh, we choose always in the end of the weekend, we are always really similar on the car. So this is also positive for the team because you need to work only on on one uh, one way and not two. Yeah. Well, it's been fascinating to hear from Antonio Giovinazzi. We're going to have to let you get away. I think you will be signing a few autographs okay. before you head yeah. off out, outside. So uh, thank you very much and uh, good luck for the much. weekend. Just a quick prediction. Where are you going to qualify this weekend? Uh, I hope to be again in Q3. And where are you going to finish? I hope top 10 again. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Well, always good to hear from a, uh, a real-life Formula 1 driver. So thanks very much to Antonio for giving a little bit of time. Even on the Thursdays, the driver's times are 
scheduled to, to the minute. So it, it's fantastic to have some insight from someone who's going to be racing on, on Sunday. I mean, Gary, you always loved working with young, motivated, talented drivers, didn't you? You've had great many successes of that with Jordan and you've, you've always been pro getting drivers like this on the grid. In fact, a few years ago, you were saying, yeah, get Giovinazzi in a car because he's, uh, he's a quality driver. Yeah, I think he is, he is very good. Whenever I saw him on 3000, you could see, you know, he had the talent. Um, GP2. GP2, that's it, sorry. Yeah, I'm getting old. <laughs> GP2, yeah, but, um, you know, he, he just seemed to have that um, that focus that was very, very important. And then whenever he got his chance in Formula 1, he, he made a couple of mistakes here and there. But, you know, that can be expected coming in. Maybe the pressure was a bit too high on him. But, again, I think, you know, it's, it's great to work with young drivers. If you're an engineer working with young drivers and you know if you give them you know, something that maybe gets them two tenths of a second. They'll probably find three tenths of a second. And and that's what I see in him. He just needs the confidence to to, to get to put it all together. Because these cars today are very, very critical. They're very, very difficult to drive. They're very difficult to get lap time out of. I mean, they are so fast nowadays. And the difference between qualifying and the race, I mean, you can be talking seven, eight seconds a lap. And that's all built into how the engine responds, the fuel saving, the tyre saving, all that stuff. And you've got to put it on like a light switch. You know, you just can't go out and drive the car in the race the way you did in qualifying. So it, it, it's a big, big job now being a racing driver because you just have to have that cushion. You know when you have to push and you know when you have to reserve everything. So he's, it's a big task, but he's, he's handling it pretty well. Now, how looking? Any more questions for, for Gary Anderson? From the floor, one over here. There we go. During your time at Jordan, did you find that Andrea Cesaris deserved the De Crasheris title that he got given over the years? Um, I found Andrea was a really good guy to work with. He had a lot of experience when he came to us. And I, I think, you know, with, with Jordan at that point in time, it was our first year. Um, and he wasn't going to win, you know, the world championship. There was, no, there was no pressure on him. He was hardened, experienced and whatever. So he was a massive help to the team. You know, he really he brought a sort of data bit with him of stuff that he'd gone through, you know, totally irrelative to what we could do with our car, but still it gave you the confidence that he had depth of knowledge within the car to what he was trying to achieve out of it. So I, I really got on well with Andrea. Yes, I had him pinned against the garage wall in Barcelona with his feet about six inches in the air, but that was just me. He knew that. You know, it, it wasn't a drama to him because he knew that I was had a very short fuse. Um, but, it, you know, he was just one of those guys who was a lovely guy to work with because he just he had that experience um, and he, he lived for it. I mean, he was just so dedicated to it. I mean, he could bring record books from all the years that he had driven about when he, you know, drove in Long Beach with the Alfa Romeo. He put, you know, a turn of front wing on and the, for some reason the car oversteered more and he didn't understand why. And, you know, he just had all the details, all in this big book. Every circuit he'd go to, he'd, he'd bring these books with him. Uh, it, was a, it was a good depth of, of uh, knowledge from him to help us in our first year to try to put a package together that was, uh, that was all right. Um, sad, sad loss, really, to be honest, Andrea. But, you know, he, he, it's like anything. He was, um, as a young guy, he made too many mistakes. Um, and I think he, he learned from that you know, whenever he got a bit older. So he was a big help to Jordan in, in our first year, for sure. I think always my favourite to Cesare's story is when he was leading, I think it was at, at Long Beach, under pressure from Nicky Lauder and he was annoyed with a bat marker and he decided to wave his arm to express his displeasure which made it quite hard to change gear so hit the rev limiter pass when Nicky Lauder which uh, <laughs> says a lot he had this thing where he had this nervous twitch and it was quite strange actually because whenever you saw it I mean I, the first time he, um, he came to drive for us we went to Pembury to test 
And um, Pembury was, it was non-existent then, really. So there was sort of grass growing out of these bits of concrete and stuff. But it was a, it was a great little track. And we, um, we tested it around there. And he came back with me in my car. And a guy called Andrew Green, who's now technical director at, at Force India. Not, not Force India anymore, is it? What Racing it Point, yeah. Racing Point. <laughs> Seventh identity or something. Yeah. But uh, anyway, the old Jordan team. Um, and he came back in the back of my car. And it's, you suddenly see this, he'd land down, and you suddenly see this head pop up. And he'd sort of go like this, and you think, what's that? And then he'd lie down again. And he'd, we'd drive 10 miles, he'd get back up again, and he'd, you'd see this guy, and you think, what, what, what? And it's, he's in there imagining he's driving around the track. He's, he's changing gear, and he's sort of like, just come up from being half asleep, sat upright. And I'm watching this in the mirror going on, thinking, what's all this about? And he had this sort of nervous affliction from his eyes, where his eyes would disappear, and he'd have this twitch. and, and you know, you'd get this whenever you're talking to him in the car, you get this eyes disappearing out of the helmet and, and this nervous twitch. But whenever he was focused and concentrating on the car and driving it, it didn't happen, apparently. I'm not quite sure yet. I've never been in the car <laughs> with him, but there was a few errors here and there that maybe maybe it was down to that twitch happening in the car. But he was a, he was a lovely guy to work with. And, um, yeah, really, really honoured to have worked with him. And especially in our first year. He brought so much knowledge, data... You know everything in our first year of Formula One with Jordan, um, he brought that sort of depth that he'd had from all these other teams. Whether it was any good to you or not, it didn't really matter. It was just it was there and it was all documented one way or another. Downforce levels for different tracks and it's bumpy there and it's slippy here and all that stuff. It just helps you. I mean, we used to sit down and you know the, the Sunday after the race, prior to the race, ne next race we'd go sit down and go through it and he'd say, oh, you know, it was really difficult there because a big bump and then he turned whatever it was and four and. You know, that sort of stuff. So you had a feeling of what you're going to get into when you got to the next race. So I did, I did want to ask uh, you, Gary, about one of your other famous drivers, Michael Schumacher, who, of course, made his Formula One debut at Spa in 91 in your car. Did pretty well in qualifying. Your car didn't last very long for him, unfortunately, in the race. No, I mean, there's a, there's a story to everything, obviously. But we, the, the HB engine that we were using, the Cosworth HB engine at that point in time, had a crankshaft problem. And basically, you had to run a, a single plate carbon clutch on it. Or, you, or the back of the crank would fall off. Normal, normal is a twin plate carbon clutch at that point in time. Um, but you couldn't, run, you couldn't run that on the HP engine because the crankshaft had a bit of a frequency at the end of it. And basically, as I say, the end of the crank would fall off. So we'd been running it all year. And um, we had got these new um, aluminium hubs for the clutch. And, uh, you know, it was lighter weight stuff, basically. And, you know, it was all good stuff. But at the end of the day at Spa, started up the hill there, and Michael, in his first start, didn't know that, and it melted the aluminium hub driving the, the clutch shaft, so end the race, to be honest. But um, again, he was, a, he was a pleasure to work with. We came over here at Silverstone, actually, for a test on the, on the south circuit the first time he drove the car. And uh, we had a guy, Trevor Foster, was our team manager at the time, and he used to run one car, and I would run the other car. Um, so anyway, Michael's gone out for a few laps around the south circuit, and there's a little bit of a chicane where the pits are there down as I say, with the, the Grand Prix track joins up again through the loop. And they've come through there, and, you know, the car's... Yeah, it's on the limit. And this is like a second, la second lap in the car or something. So Trevor called him in and said, oh, you know, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to go that quick. You know, it's just making sure you fit in the car and all that sort of stuff. And Michael sort of said, I'm not going fast. I'm going slow, you know. But he was just exceptional to work with. He just, he just knew what could happen. And at that time, Spa, El Rouge was... Uh, you know, if you were good, it was flat. So on the Friday, he wasn't flat through there. And sort of said to him on, on Friday night, oh, by the way, you know, El Rouge should be flat. 
said, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. Um, next day, Saturday morning, flat, never lift it again. So, you know, he just knew what he could do. Yeah, impressive. Let's, let's bring it back a little bit to, to this weekend, actually talking about drivers again. And obviously Lewis Hamilton, a lot of the crowd are, are cheering him on. He could become the, the record British Grand Prix winner, uh, should he win this weekend. And there was some, some interesting comments from Christian Horner earlier in the week when he talked about Max Verstappen on current form, arguably being, well, he, he said he felt he was better than than uh, Lewis Hamilton. There's been a bit of discussion about that. Lewis was asked about that earlier. Didn't really want to get involved in it. But however you dice it, those two drivers are probably the current outstanding drivers on the Formula One grid, aren't they? Obviously, Lewis Hamilton, we know he's an all-time great. And Max Verstappen, over the past year, since that, that kind of nadir in, in Monaco, he's, he's been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one to always... Two teams, two different drivers. And there's, there's obviously... 10 teams and 20 drivers out there, but you're taking two teams and two different drivers. You know, Max is definitely on his way up. The Honda engine, is it as good as the Mercedes? You know, in reality, it shouldn't be. Um, Is the car as good as the Mercedes? I think probably it is now. Um, So it's a a package. It's a combination of all that sort of stuff. You know, Lewis has got the maturity to to keep it all together, and the team's got the maturity to keep it all together. Um, Whereas... Again, it's, I think Red Bull, you know, they've had the success. They've, they've taken a different route with the, Honda, with the, the um, Honda engine. And it's, it's, it is going to take a little bit of time to get there. But in saying that, Max in Austria was exceptional. I mean, you know, he, he did everything he, he could do. He did everything right. Now, could, should Leclerc have been able to hold him off that little bit longer if he'd had more information earlier on or stop later for tyres? Who knows? It, it's... It's going to be down to a race. This is a very, very different circuit to, to Austria. So, to be honest, on on form at the moment, you'd have to say the Mercedes should be pretty good round here, round here, and um, Hamilton should be pretty good round here. But I wouldn't count Max out anywhere. He's 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 willing to give it a fling, and uh, he definitely does a good job. But again, also with Ferrari, you know, the clerk's no slouch. Vettel needs to find a couple of tenths of a second, or or the clerk's going to show him that. Um, you know he's he's the man now, and it won't take long before Ferrari changes their, their sort of belief a little bit. So um, it's going to be a fantastic race here. It's going to be really interesting. Hopefully the weather's going to hold out well. It looks like it's going to hold out well, and this is this is a, a real racers track. You know this is a drivers track. This is a place they love to come. Fast sweeping, you know one corner after another through that Beckett's complex and stuff. So you know this is going to be a fairly major event. Your predictions for the weekend? You asked Antonio Giovinazzi to uh, to predict, so now I'm going to ask you to predict. What we see right now, you've got to say Lewis Hamilton is going to be the man. Um, to be honest, I would be surprised if Charles Leclerc wasn't able to give him a hard time. But Ferrari seem to be up and down a little bit. So Ferrari, if they found their feet, um, and I can only hope they have, you know, whenever you look back, I think it was, where was it, Malaysia, they were a rocket ship. Mm. And then it took to Austria. Really. Bahrain. Bahrain, sorry, and then it took to to Austria before they sort of got himself back to be what should have been a rocket ship. But if they can find their feet here, then I think Leclerc will be right in there with them, having a, giving them a hard time. And and then there's Max Verstappen and he's a um, Red Bull. So those would be the three for me on the podium, and probably in that order. And I'd I'd be uh, pretty happy with it. That's a very thorough prediction. No fence sitting there. Well, thanks very much, Gary Anderson. Thanks very much also to uh, our, uh, our whistle-stop visit from Antonio Giovinazzi. I'm sure we'll have a, a good weekend. The Autosport podcast is available free to download from your podcast supplier of choice, iTunes, Spotify. It's out every, mon- every Monday and Thursday, if I can remember how to pronounce days of the week. Uh, so please do, if you don't listen to it and you enjoyed this, uh, subscribe and you'll be able to have a dose of this uh, a couple of times a week. 
And as I always say, thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.